Recording from the financial coach offices in Westchester, PA, this is Untucked, a podcast hosted by three financial advisors discussing markets, investing, and a bunch of other stuff. I'm Megan Tate, and I'll be joined by Mike Trainer and Jeff Mastronardo. Let's get started. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions or views of FC Advisory, the Financial Coach Group, or the New Wealth Project. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be interpreted as investment advice. everyone. Uh, Welcome to Untucked. Today we are going to be discussing drone delivery for fast food. Uh, We are going to uh, review an article we found in the Wall Street Journal, an opinion piece about the SECURE Act. And finally, we are going to dig into an article on ESPN about the state of youth sports. So um, here we go. The first article for this week is called Uber May Soon Deliver Big Macs to You by Drone. It was written by Alan Kim and we found it on CNN. Uh, This article describes Uber's early attempts at drone food delivery, specifically delivering McDonald's. Um, A pilot program is set to begin this summer in San Diego and will test drones delivering McDonald's to designated landing zones. So they're not being delivered to people's homes. Once they're delivered to these zones, uh, an Uber Eats driver would pick up the food order and then deliver it to the person paying for it. Did I read that you, like some of the Uber drivers would have like landing zones on top of their cars? Yeah, that was was mentioned in the article as well. Um, Despite these plans, Uber is currently without FAA approval or drone, at least as of the time of this article. Um, Rival companies such as Google and Amazon, which we've talked a lot about, are also experimenting with drone delivery services. So great. All we need are more people eating Big Macs than they already do. <laughs> I mean, really? You got to start with Big Macs? <laughs> like, couldn't they have started with Panera or right, something right. like a little healthier? I see no way that this program is successful. Like, if Uber and Google and Amazon and everyone else start delivering by drones, Aren't there going to be like thousands so many of drones <laughs> in the air banging into each other, killing people as they hit the ground? Well, s- probably. Maybe not killing people, right? I mean, if what if a drone hits your car while you're driving and you spin off the road? Yeah, there'll be deaths. <laughs> there will, but I mean, it's price <laughs> of, the price of progress. <laughs> deaths for sure. Price for Big Macs. Um, well, I read another article that mentioned the delivery – Drone delivery for Amazon specifically, there's a weight limit, which I guess makes sense. And obviously Big Macs don't weigh that much. So are you more concerned with all of the drones going at once than what they're delivering? Well, I guess the the FAA has like like planes down pat, right? There's thousands of planes in the air, but there's a lot of sky. Right, like you could be at twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Like each level has its its set of of planes. If you didn't know that, I do know that. Where do helicopters reside? They're in the I have no idea. Yeah. I, I'm not, I have no no uh, efficiency when it comes to helicopters. But 
I'm assuming the drones are all going to have to exist below a certain threshold. altitude. Yeah. It's an altitude, not a threshold. So let's say it's all below 10,000 feet. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know how, I guess they're going to have to have a similar program where they're monitoring thousands of these drones flying all over the place. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think like flight patterns, like you'll have to take off and land. Like, yeah, I think. But there's just so much involved with that. I mean, I guess there's really not. Like, right, if you have a private plane, you call the, uh, what the hell do they call that thing? The, the air tower the controller. The air tower control, yeah. You tell them where you want to go, they, they plug in your flight pattern, and you're good to go. But I'm, I just, I can't wrap my brain around, I ordered a Big Mac, and I want it delivered in 10, 15 minutes. I mean, how quickly, I, mean, I guess they can come up with it. Who, who benefits more, Uber or McDonald's in this? Right, I mean, so probably got a, Uber. They got a flat fee; it's like nine bucks or something for delivery. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, does does this increase the overall demand for Big Macs now that I can have it dropped into my driveway? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Really? I mean, can you imagine sitting on your couch and you see a Big Mac commercial and they look awesome, and all you need to do is pick up your phone, hit a button, and a drone's going to drop it. At your front step in like 15 minutes? Yeah, at least initially the appeal is going to just be because that's dope, right? Like, I don't even like Big Macs that much, but I want to see one dropped, well, driven to me after it's dropped on a car's roof. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, So after, there was actually an article that came out like two days ago that pretty much disputes this entire article. (laughs) It says that uh, McDonald's join forces with DoorDash, ending its deal with Uber Eats. So I'm sure Uber Eats is not going to stop their drone uh, pursuit, but it might not be Big Macs because now you can get McDonald's on DoorDash. I mean, do you guys both – You heard it here first. That, okay. Do you guys both agree that drone delivery is going to happen? Yes. Yes, okay. for sure. And you think it will be drone delivery for lit- like all retail? Like Amazon's going to deliver clothes with 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 drones. I mean anything retail that- goods plus food, right? Yeah. Anything that's like relatively light. Yeah, smallish. And this is all being driven because we just have zero patience. Yeah, like Amazon's goal is same day, like hour same within day. hours delivery. I can't wait. But I don't know if it's just that. I think it's connected to driverless cars. It's connected to, you know, getting rid of really inefficient cars, you know, plugging around the roads all day long and polluting and consuming gas and being really expensive. I think it's connected to that. All that's connected. Do the drones have operators? Or is it just you, you plug in coordinates and the drone goes? We're not there yet, Jack. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I was impressed. I remember watching some, some footage of UPS doing this, and they had drones that would pop out of their delivery trucks. Like, the truck would stop at my house to drop a package. In the meantime, a drone pops out, goes, like, diagonally a quarter of a mile to drop another package that's close, and then lands back on the truck, saving it an extra route. Or however many routes. And they say, I mean, UPS calculated that they're going to save like millions every year in gas and labor, et cetera. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's coming. I think it's 
and I think the technology is super, super cool. Like you said, like it's dope. <laughs> I can't wait to have something delivered to my house through a drone. Um, I just think there's so many like kinks that need to be worked out, but I mean, all the smart people will figure it out, right? And imagine the, the um, you know, the market that will spring up for like drone interceptors, you know, thieves and, and people that are trying to like get their hands on that Big Mac, yeah. right? Yeah, it's interesting that you went that way with it. <laughs> the criminal mind in you. Yeah. You guys aren't like, you, you don't see like major like safety issues. I just I can't even I don't understand it enough to know what to think about the safety. Like yeah, I get your point about them flying into one another, but like beyond that, I don't I don't even know how it would work. It's one of those things that I would be super excited about but not give a shit about how it happens. Right. And it doesn't seem to me that like that the the economics make sense anywhere in the near future, right? Yeah. Because the cost to the cost to drone a Big Mac to you seems like it would be like, you know, $30,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Per, and the food, per item, you know. The food delivery doesn't really excite me. I mean, maybe Amazon, that's cool. But uh, dropping McDonald's at my door is not something I'm So we have about. paddle boards, right? And last weekend, my son dropped one in the bay and it sunk. So we need a new paddle board. How cool would it have been for me to just ha get a drone right then and there to drop one? Maybe a paddle board's a little too big. Uh, it's a paddle, not the actual board. <laughs> no, I get it. It's like the fin that you use yeah, to yeah, paddle. Yeah. I don't know. I think I, this gets back to my earlier comment. Like, it, we have just become so entitled. Like, we want our things now. Whereas when you were a kid, the paddle gets dropped in the water, dad gives you a little smack across the head, <laughs> and, and then you're using your hands. Or, and then I have to mow four lawns before I can <laughs> right. get another one. Right. Like, I think it built a lot of character. And I'm looking at, like, I ordered these stupid, like, Beats Pro. Like, oh, you ordered them? Yeah, I ordered them. Right. I ordered them, like, two weeks ago. They're going to be shipped. They're going to be delivered either the 19th, between the 19th and the 26th. What's today? The 18th? Yeah. Dude, it hasn't moved. Like, the processing bar hasn't moved. I'm losing my mind. Like, so I'm a product of it. Like, I get it. Like, yeah. I, I wanted them two weeks ago. But I don't know. I think it's good that you, sometimes you just got to wait for shit. And nobody wants to wait for anything anymore. But you don't have to anymore. You had to. So right. is it entitled or is it just a product of technology like being so cool? Like, hey, we, yeah, now it's – or in the future, it, it's not going to – there's not going to be a need to wait. Dude, I'll give I mean, you – What if I have a 3D printer in my house and I want to print up a Big Mac? Maybe that's <laughs> – Right, you can print up a new paddle. <laughs> right, right. So maybe I'm like – getting onto a tangent that this technology isn't that good for us. I mean, I look at my son, my youngest, he's seven, and I said, <clears throat> he wants to make some money. I said, okay, take the trash out, and in a week, I'll give you five bucks. He's like, well, how, like, how long's a week? Like, what's seven days? He's like, that's so long. He's like, can you make it eight bucks? Literally, seven-year-old, he's like, <laughs> I'm like, look, just Let's first week you'll get five bucks if you do a good job. I'll bump it up to eight. Every day he's been like, "This takes so long. This is so stupid. Why am I doing? Why do I have to wait this long to get my five dollars?" And every day I'm like, "Ty, tomorrow's payday. We're three <laughs> days till payday." But like he has no patience whatsoever, and it's a product of this technology. 
I'm not blaming guess. you, Megan. No, I know you're not. No, I know you're not. But like, I also think that about getting paid, and I get paid the same two days a month every month. <laughs> like, I feel like financial incentives are different. I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's obviously you're right. We are. Everything is instant. We want it as soon as we can have well, it. Well, that uh, you, Meg, that's a good point. Think about that's just convention. The bi-weekly paycheck when. The technology certainly exists. It wouldn't cost that much more, I can't imagine. But every day, it's a direct deposit every day. Right. For the pro prorated, yeah. Why isn't that a thing? Wouldn't that help a lot of people? I'm sure. You know, a lot of people from, from payday loans and all that stuff where they, they have to bridge the gap. Bridge the gap at a, at a ridiculous interest rate when, you know, the technology is there to have like daily paychecks. For most of the, the, if not everybody, why not? Yeah, hmm. might be honest. <laughs> Develop some software and take care of that. Build an app. Uh, yeah, I think the technology is super cool. I think it's awesome. I don't necessarily think that this technology on demand and all this stuff is very good for us. But like you said, it's just a product of how we've grown, and and I gotta I gotta learn to just deal with it. And it's convenient. I mean, let's not forget that. Mm-hmm. Like we pay for convenience, right? Yeah, yeah, there's convenience fees in the tickets we order and everything. We just Yo, side note, StubHub. Highway <laughs> robbery, dude. $20 tickets have a $20 fee attached to them. It's so dumb. I do it. I have mean, you not bought one a ticket because of the convenience fee? No, but I've bitched about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, like every time I'm like, damn, $20. I'm like, it's super convenient. Bye. Though. Yeah. Congress is coming for your IRA. This was an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal written by Philip DeMuth. Um, I was actually sent this article by a client of ours. Um, Philip writes the opinion piece blasting the SECURE Act, which is a piece of of legislation that is currently awaiting a vote from Congress. The SECURE Act, which stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. So stupid. Why Horrible do they do that? Name. Mike, why do they do that? <laughs> why does everything have to be like an – it's called an acronym, acronym right? Acronym, right. I mean there's people in, in, in Washington whose jobs are to just think of so dumb. dumb acronyms. And you know what? That person gets like a pension for the rest of their life because <laughs> right, they were right, like right. SECURE Act people. Um the, the act proposes the following meaningful, and I'm putting meaningful in air quotes, um, changes. Do you guys want to go through these, or do you want to just talk about the act itself? I think we could just talk about it. You know, okay. the, the absolutely non-monumental act that they're looking to pass. I, I don't think this act does much of really anything of significance. No meaningful changes, yeah. right? They, they say they are, but they're really very small changes that impact um, – that the, the impacts are really small on an individual or family basis. They're really big on, a, on obviously at a on a budgetary sure. and tax basis, but for the for the average, let's call and they're and they're targeting this article at the middle class being screwed over. The average middle class family does not have like this is not a game changer by any stretch. Yeah, I mean he he was RMD, arguing. Sorry, RMD. Uh, Age increase from seventy and a half to seventy-two, not a big deal. Right. Um, How come they can move so fast on that, but they can't like push the social security age, like like full social to like sixty-eight? 
to help Social Security like stay afloat. It is. Isn't that phased? I have no idea. Well, social, isn't it based on your like like your birth your year? birth year? And it's, I mean, is yeah. so are there people that are that are living now that their full Social Security age is seventy? No, I don't right. think so. So I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, why can't like I can't believe that <clears throat> Social Security is like under pressure, and they can't figure out that they're going to gain decades more if they make my max social age 72 versus 70 for like versus you know what people are dealing with now um and and like to push an rmd age from like like 18 months out from 70 and a half to 72 like it's it, it does nothing right and it's like okay the way we're gonna pay for that is we're gonna um we're gonna put this inherited ira provision in there which yeah. now you got to distribute it within 10 years of inheritance for a non-spousal, whereas previously it could be stretched. Um, again, to me, you know, you got to eliminate anyone who doesn't have a substantial IRA balance to begin with. Which, which is the majority. Which is the yeah. majority, the vast majority, the middle class especially. And then, you know, this article, the author was ripping the act as being um, – really really detrimental to a lot of people because this specifically the stretch part of it like oh yeah. your your kids now going to inherit you know that ira that that and his his um his position is the whole point of your ira was to was to pass it on to your kids which is not the point of an ira right, <laughs> right. the point of it is really to provide retirement income or supplement income for yourself um and so he's he's bitching about um, the impact on the heirs, that the tax impact specifically, and I think it's just a, a a misread of the whole thing. I mean, it's it's so it's so individual specific. How he could just say with such a broad brush, like it, this is going to be detrimental to everyone. Um, what's interesting is the government is going to, and I understand the government's hand to mouth, but they're going to cre- they're going to gain less tax revenue by having the IRA be distributed in 10 years. Like if you think about it, <clears throat> most of the IRA inherited IRAs that we see now are very small mm-hmm. because the generation before the boomers didn't have a whole lot of money. Well, the boomers are going to leave money to their heirs. Like you're going to see million-dollar IRAs transfer to individuals. <clears throat> if, if those get left to a 50-year-old or a 30-year-old, that's going to be stretched out over under current law like 70 years. Now, the initial tax burden that on the RMDs is going to be little, but you start adding that up over 70 years, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Mike, you, you would have to agree with this, that it's going to accumulate to more tax dollars, or uh, are you I, already factoring the lost opportunity cost? I think I disagree. <laughs> I think that you get you know bigger taxes now that's worth way more than – a long stream of taxes way into the future. I'm I mean. going to run it. I'm going to run it. <laughs> because well, it also depends. I mean, if it's a million-dollar IRA and I'm in the 20% tax bracket, you add another 100000 to me and maybe it gets me to the 25 versus and – and so it's twenty five grand over the next 10 years, which is what, 250000 bucks. I guess you have to calculate lost opportunity cost on that uh, or future value on that. Versus you get the million, you distribute it over 70 years, and there's a tax hit every year on an RMD. And then eventually there'll be a 
there'll be a payout when the IRA is liquidated. Yeah, again, I would like to I, – I think that when they – I'm assuming when they ran this whole analysis, they, they're, they're saying this is getting paid for by um, eliminating the stretch, and we're going to get our tax revenue over 10 years. The other thing in this article, he used the example of an inherited $500,000 oh, IRA. egregious. And, and they said, oh, and, and for, student, for, for financial aid for their kids' college, they get screwed. How? Because now they have fifty thousand yeah. more in income for ten years, and now they got to pay. And and financial aid calcs are going to show that as income, and they're going to get. Wait a minute! You just inherited five hundred thousand dollars, dude. It's the like first. That. It's the <laughs> first thing I thought of. No one's going to be complaining that. No. Oh, I'll right. just take this fifty grand I just paid tax on and use it to pay for college. <laughs> no. Dumbass. Stupid. I thought it was a stupid comment. <laughs> but this article apparently got like. Well over a thousand comments from the readers, uh, readership of the journal. So it was one of the most commented on recently, you know, that, that we've seen recently. So it definitely stirred the pot on either side from from a lot of the the readership. Oh well, how well I want to know what percentage of those readers that commented even got past the title. They, they read, probably read the they title. read the title and commented. Yep, yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's look. I understand the guys. The guys writing a piece, he wants to get eyeballs on the piece. Um, I just hate when people make a big deal out of something that's really a non-event. And that's, and that's what, where, how I took it. I mean, yeah, I think the, the bigger issue is this whole annuities being um, used in employer-sponsored plans now. Um, what, what was your takeaway from that, Meg? I, I mean, I think it's it's not a good idea i think we can probably maybe make a blanket statement in that way but like why why would our listeners uh or should i say listener, listener <laughs> think that that's not like why is that not a good idea to put annuities as an option in a, in, an in a 401k plan well i think our listeners would think it is a good idea because they think of an annuity as a pension right and we talk about how those types of defined benefit plans no longer exist employers can't afford them so us saving for retirement it's all on our own the likelihood of social security being there is probably even a little bit slim so you can appeal to people who don't understand how annuities work by positioning it like that pension and creating a guaranteed stream of income through retirement what we know to be true is that it caps the opportunity for growth over a really long period of time we think about young people beginning to save people our age saving anybody really saving for retirement it's just a lot of lost opportunity costs which we've mentioned a couple of times yeah and i think the insurance industry lobbies fingerprints are all over this act um they're, they're thrilled to have that provision in there because of what you just said but also i mean listen having annuities in as an option on its face is not a bad thing. It's always better to have more options. The problem is that annuity salespeople, insurance salespeople, take advantage of too many um, Ill, ill-informed investors and sell them inappropriately um, with with low disclosure levels and all those sorts of things. And um, most times, other viable options are not presented or they're not even offered. So I think that the consequence here is that a lot of people are going to get, you know, disadvantaged other than uh, as opposed to other other mechanisms that they could use in their um, in their plan 
So, so in, when when they say annuities are going to be offered in the spot in the in the four hundred one k plans, it's not annuitization. It's just any form of an annuity, like a fixed or an indexed or or a variable, are are products now that are you can invest in in the four hundred one k. Yeah, but and I mean I didn't do a ton of reading on it. I think the the way that it'll be positioned to the consumer is yes, it's an annuity product in the plan, but then. Once you retire, annuitization is the feature that they're trying to sell. Right, yep. which nine times out of ten doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I think that you know the lobbyists did their did their job, and and this act is being created. And again, just just slap like you know Congress is is the bad guy, and and um, Uncle Sam's going to take your money. And they're reaching in your pockets yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. So the last article is a bit of a novel <laughs> the article itself was a novel yeah i was thinking it's more um it's just a very different topic uh it's called these kids are ticking time bombs it was written by baxter holmes um and it was written on espn.com it's part one of a two-part uh, piece released by espn that does a deep dive into the world of youth sports um, all of which like the three of us have a lot of experience with um, and the long-term effects these activities have on growing children with aspirations of playing at the high school, college, or even professional level. Um, there's a lot of data cited in the article to support the increase in big uh, career-altering injuries, knees, hips, and ankles specifically, uh, due to overuse and to a focus on specific sports and specific movements. Um, the article also then kind of cites Michael Jordan and his off seasons of no basketball and also Kobe Bryant, who did not play organized basketball until he was 16, as examples of lengthy, mostly injury-free careers that employed approaches dramatically different than what we see today. So a lot of ground was covered in this article. Um, what would you guys think? Um, I mean, obviously – as you mentioned, Meg, this this is very very familiar subject to, to me and to us. Um, this is one of the disappointing consequences in my mind of you know where sports have gone for the last 10, 15, if not 20 years, um, which is pick a sport, specialize in it, um, 12 months a year. That's your sport, and and a lot of kids, I think, at by the age of 12 or 13 are being forced to pick a sport otherwise they're not playing anything um and and that's it there's a lot of peer pressure there's a lot of keep up with the joneses there's a lot of coaches parents advisors who who give advice to the parents that your kid if he wants to play at the high school or the college level um or beyond they they can't they can't play hoops baseball and soccer or whatever it is they have to pick one um and I think in this article, it focuses on the NBA, which probably is the most um, egregious example of, of kids rolling into college and they're broken. Their bodies are broken. And I, I mean, it makes sense because I don't think humans are, are designed to jump that much, right? We're mm -hmm. not, I mean, and these guys train to get stronger and to jump out of the gym. But at the end of the day, their, their joints and their knees and their hips are what they are. And they end up with back problems and degenerative bones and all kinds of other crazy stuff at ridiculous young ages and it's clearly just a consequence of the overtraining 
Um, I think every sport's guilty of it for sure. I don't know what the answer is. I don't. It's the trend is just gets worse every year yeah. in my view. Um, and younger and younger and younger specialization, all with an eye towards either scholarship money or just playing at playing at a higher level. Um, I think it's a you know the, the peer thing. You look around at your your other kids who are going on to play, and you're you're told you're going to get left behind if you don't specialize. So um, it's a shame. I thought there was a part in the article, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that mentioned that they, they did some studies about kids that didn't specialize in a sport and it didn't actually hurt them from a performance and like a scholarship standpoint. Like they were just as competitive as these kids that specialized. Was that, could you guys get that? Yeah, it was something to that effect. Let me see if I can find it. And, I mean, that, and that's something that's been repeated over and over again yeah. by former professionals who grew up differently where they did play multiple sports and they'll say, when I played, uh, you know, hockey player, let's say, and I played baseball, it helped me, or basketball, it helped me. It made me a better hockey player. My well, primary sport benefited from it, right? I mean, our generation, how many athletes, um, pro athletes, like they could have gone pro baseball or pro football? I mean, that was that. That's common. Like Allen Iverson was a quarterback for like how long, and then he also played basketball. I mean, I. Look, I'm, I wasn't like a, like a phenomenal athlete. I know it's probably very difficult for you guys <laughs> to. But, I mean, I started running track at a very, very young age. That was my primary sport. Um, I also did play basketball and a little bit of football and soccer. But I, I remember by my junior year at Malvern, like I told my parents, I'm done running track. I, don't, I, I was burned. I didn't want to do the sport anymore. And I had buddies that were doing outdoor and indoor track. And they, I mean, I think there's cert definitely, I, I agreed with the article 100%. I, I, I reflected on my own view of my children playing sports, uh, like my son playing hockey. I know he wants to get better, so I was kind of like letting him play more. But after reading this, I, I mean, I, I think I did a complete 180. And it's like, look, you play hockey when hockey's there. You can certainly go and practice a little bit if you want to. But, yeah, pick up the lacrosse stick. And it makes sense. Like you're getting different body movements, running on grass, throwing a lacrosse stick than you are playing hockey. And that makes all the sense to me in the world that my kid's going to be a better athlete and a better better hockey player if he plays multiple sports. And, and part of that is the break, right? It's, it's yeah. like anything. You're better at your job when you have a break from it. You're better at, at, at your marriage when you have a little break. Yep, you know? you're, absolutely you're better right. at everything. When not you like a hall pass break. Right? Not, not that. Because <laughs> 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 I mean, then so maybe I could get down with the whole yeah, marriage yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah, but also I think the culprit is, is the money grab factor of all of the coaches and people that are, are putting on the camps and the clinics and the – you know, the, for, for a lot of money at stake because parents are willing to write checks, blank checks, you know, for, for little Johnny to play, go to the camp and, and play with, be coached by former pros or whatever it is. And that's that's part of it, too. We haven't done that. I mean, I know that where our kids play hockey, there's like an, an, an entire institute on the second floor where you can get on like an ice treadmill and they analyze your skate and like. And I look at that, and people are like, "Oh, you gotta like ha have your kid do that." I'm like, uh, "We're good. Yeah. Like, we don't need to take it that far." Um, but I think that's that's a major problem. You said like, "How do we solve it? Like, what's the answer?" The answer is parents need to friggin' wake up. Your kids are not getting money to play a sport. They're not that good. 
especially when there's all these crazy-ass parents out there that are running their kids into the ground to get money. So let your kid enjoy his or her friggin' life, enjoy the sport, and play multiple sports, and have friends on the lacrosse team and the hockey team and the soccer team and be a better person. But, like, the the adults today, the parents just aren't wired that way, man. They're all, in my opinion, like batshit crazy. Right, and, and no matter what sport you're talking about or talking to parents of, that's not an actual sentence, but um, they all say the same thing. The soccer, the, the football, baseball, uh, volleyball. It, it, there isn't a sport that doesn't have this um, affliction, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, and I think, I mean, to this article's point, AAU basketball is the worst. I mean, you said it earlier. It's, um, I mean, I coached it. I played it. And it's from the ten, 15 years ago that I was a participant to now, it's dramatically different. Um, I mean, I coach rising ninth graders, all of which have very average basketball skills. They're good kids, but they're they're not going to play in college. They're not going to play professionally. Like, there's a very, f- like, finite amount of time in which they'll enjoy the sport and play competitively. But you go to these tournaments that are just team after team, game after game. Gyms are filled from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for entire weekends. And then there's T-shirts and there's concessions. I mean, it's a gold mine, And it's so easy to see why it just continues to happen um, from a money standpoint. And then the expectation that, like, this is going to mean something is where it's all lost. Like, parents are delusional. Do you think that any part of this has to do with the transition over time from when we were younger where organized sports were not the biggest part of your time when you were just out playing, and that doesn't really happen anymore? Organized sports, you're not out of the house as a kid for the most part unless you're – doing your organized sport, whether it's practice, clinic, game, whatever. And do you think it has to do with just the disappearance of just leisure time where the kids would just go and come back for dinner? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Where I, where I grew up, I'm curious if kids still do that. I mean, I grew up on a cul-de-sac in the, yeah. in, in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I mean, not, you know, upper middle class. I mean, it was you, you can walk out of your house. There were sidewalks. There were people all over the place. I'm a sh- I would imagine – Maybe that neighborhood still does that, but then again, there's also the, you know, the crazy factor, right? Like parents don't let kids out of the house because they're afraid right. they're going to get freaking adopted. Right. 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 The white vans right around right. the corner. Right. So yeah, I mean that's probably right, Mike. I mean kids just don't leave the house at nine and come back at five. You know, the only time they're getting out and playing sports is when they're organized. Right, but that coincides with the with technology and with the the fact that these sports that we watch on tv now all of this stuff is in your hand and you can follow the players like the popularity of these leagues is at an all-time high even baseball which we hate except for you jeff like <laughs> they're i mean the nfl the nba the nhl like these leagues have avid avid fans and it was parent it's now parents who are kind of like that's trickling down to their kids to you can be that person. And the percentage of people playing professional sports is so small. They're so popular. They give kids and parents the impression that it's an attainable goal. And it's not. 
Like, I will tell every single kid, you can be pretty much anything you want, but you can't be a professional right. basketball player. Like, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And no matter how much, very rarely can a kid play 12 months a year of a sport since the age of eight, and then by the time he or she is 18 or so, not be completely burned out from playing right. that sport. Well, the, the article, I mean, it was really, uh, that was one of the most interesting parts I read in the article was how they followed like a 12-year-old and looked at how often he had or she had organized practices, training, games, tournaments, added it up. And so by the time this kid gets the like to college, he or she has played like the equivalent of 12 seasons in the NBA. Like they have no chance of sustaining any athletic, like stamina, at that yeah. point. Like you're done. You're going to blow. You're going to tear both ACLs. There's no doubt. Right. Did you find it interesting about Michael Jordan's approach? Like, were you surprised by that? I I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I was. I was super surprised. surprised by that. But again, I think that's that's a product of us watching modern day athletes. When the season ends, they're on Instagram with their training videos, yeah. and they're on Twitter working out with. Whoever, there is no off season. You know, it's Jordan didn't have that. It's also so much more competitive. Let's just take it yeah. at the pro level. Like these, I'll take hockey for example. These guys used to like when the season was over, they'd be on their at, at their cottages and vacation, and they wouldn't put on skates again or do any any real working out until it's time for camp. Um, now they might take a week or two or three, but then they're. Back. Because if they're if they don't show up in unbelievable shape, someone's taking their job, and it, and there's just so many people willing and able to take professional athletes' jobs every season. And the stakes are higher. I yeah. mean, Bryce Harper, three hundred and thirty million dollars. Yeah, stupid man. money. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I think, um, I think that that's the big driver. Is like you just said, somebody's ready to take your job, um, and there's just so much money in it now. So, like, if T.O. doesn't come back in T.O. shape, like, Todd Pinkston's going to take his place. <laughs> Pinky? Probably, probably not. But. but isn't, like, what's interesting about that point is they're talking about overuse being the issue, right? That's what's creating and leading to all of these injuries. But then continuing to stress your body in the form of, working out and and preparing in season and off season is only is what keeps you in the game like how do you fix it i mean they need someone to like be the example right they need a dominant player and somebody's like oh well yeah johnny smith like he like season's over and he doesn't he literally just goes parties for like three months and then comes back and he's all fat when he gets to camp and then he gets his ass in shape and then he kills it again I mean, we don't have any of those. John Crook's not here anymore. He's gone. <laughs> He's out of the game. I don't have a solution for you, Meg. No, there isn't one. Okay, so the top five was inspired by a post by Ben Carlson on top five things that he – or it wasn't top five for him. It was things that he thinks will go away when baby boomers die. And we're taking a little more of a cynical approach and saying five things that should go away. Should when, definitely go away. Like 100,000% should go away when <laughs> baby boomers die. If they don't go away before then, I would argue. Right. <laughs> Who wants to start? Jeff? All right, I'll start. I have six, but one of them is obviously racism. So I hope. hope I like, put racism too. Oh, uh, did you? <laughs> yeah. All right. It was kind of a joke, but 
I have yeah. two that are kind of like that. I also put complaining about millennials. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Why don't you go first, Meg? Since <laughs> Sorry. You're completely hijacked. <laughs> I put seven, though. So those were two that were like, God. Uh, landlines. Yeah. They need to go away. I mean, I'm trying in my own household to get rid of yeah, them. Already gone. Yeah. Me. I had a conversation with my parents. My mom wants to like cut the cord. And she's trying to convince me that cutting her landline will save her a ton of money. And I was like, no one uses it. I don't, right. you're it's not going gonna, gonna to you change your bill at all. You might actually save money by keeping it like because you get a bundled <laughs> exactly. discount of some sort. Uh, cargo shorts. Oh, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, they got to go. <laughs> Yahoo, the Fair. search engine. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo <laughs> mails. <laughs> Ironing. Huh. I'm with you 100% on it should, but I, but I, how? Do you guys just like send just your clothes out? Just right right to the dry cleaner. Yeah, yeah I yeah. see that's actually too. a good one. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting. Yeah. Fanny packs? Uh no, yeah. disagree. They're like in now for young oh people, dude. Yeah, you're showing your age. So that was like <laughs> that was more than I had, but like the last one I had was um uh, those transition lenses. Oh, that's <laughs> <a good laughs> anyone <one>. like <laughs> Other than boomers have a transition lens. No, that's a really good one. That's your best one. That and cargo shorts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Michael. I mean, I've got similar like um, cord cutting, like cable TV, cable boxes, any wires associated with like watching something on TV. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also have related to that TV commercials of any kind, commercials that are in the middle of a show or a, or a movie or a sporting event. I feel like. There's nobody who's looking at that other than boomers because mm -hmm. when a commercial comes on for anyone else, we're on our phones, mm -hmm. we're yeah. doing something else. We're not like gullible enough, in a sense, to, to mm -hmm. watch a commercial. Although right? some commercials are good. So at the very least, the ones that are like, if you have mesothelioma, <laughs> like, get rid of those, yeah. dude. Yeah. Um, I've got baseball. Just in general. Oh no! Yeah. Baseball in general? Yeah. The whole sport gone. The whole thing. Whole okay. thing. You know, we could use the stadiums for other things, like cemeteries. We should name this podcast "Baseball Sucks." <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then the other one I have is, it. I started with um, direct mail, uh, slash junk mail. Again, who in the world opens, looks at, or responds to any of that stuff? I'm a big uh, clipper mail guy. And then stamp related to that, stamps and mailing things. Mm -hmm. And then maybe just mailboxes. Like, get rid of the whole thing. <laughs> I think I'm with you on the mail thing. I mean, there's, like, nothing useful that comes through the mail. Yeah. Like, why is Pico still sending me, a, like, a physical Well, that's you. Right? Is it really? I can end that? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 You don't get a Pico, like, paper statement, Mike. I may, but I don't. I mean, I don't deal with it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I put Facebook. Ooh, that's a good one. I don't think, other than boomers, Facebook is being used in any meaningful way. No. Mm -hmm. Um, I also put emails. Aside from like professional environments, like is that a main way of contacting people? No, and I think that um, Slack. Yeah. 
is going to replace emails in work environments because mm-hmm. it's more efficient. And I've is never like used the, it, but the, it's the texting. Yeah, it's like a messenger yeah. type of thing. So you're, I agree with you that email has no purpose other than in here in, in work. Yeah, I mean, when I look at my email each day, I delete ninety eight percent of it, and the ones that I keep are from people at least thirty years older than me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Yeah, <clears throat> writing checks kind of went along with the mail. I know you I still do struggle that. with that one a I little know. bit. Yeah, why? Um, there's certain like let's say like the guy who cuts our grass. Like I'll get a physical bill from him, and there's I guess I can like. I guess there's maybe a section for like use your credit card to pay, but I write. There's got to be. If you would have Venmoed your cousin, you wouldn't have had the check deposited twice for that wedding. That's correct. (laughs) Speaking of Venmo, huge enhancement. Sorry to get lost on tangents. The um, fudgy wudgy guys on the beach in Sea Isle and Avalon take Venmo. Wow, that's like a huge upgrade. Uh, The woman who drafted my legal documents. I paid her via Venmo. Really? Uh-huh. So I, and I also heard that Venmo is like completely unsafe. Oh, yeah. I don't give a like, shit. There's no security whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, but like, what are they going to get? All your money. Yeah. And then I say I didn't do it and it gets, it's reimbursed. I don't, I don't. Who's under- reimbursing you? The bank. I, I'm disputing it. Yeah. Because it got lifted from your bank account. Right. By, like via Venmo, right? Yeah. So. I mean, I just, right. I don't, it's not a concern of mine. I don't. I've really never cared. Someone can take all my money. I'll get it back eventually. Okay. It's a very millennial <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> the convenience of Venmo is worth it. Um, China, like plates. Oh, God. Great and one. Cups. Not the country, Mike. Not the country. No, no. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That's like the hardware. I can't, I can't believe they're still around, even. My mom. Oh, good thing she will never God bless listen her. to this. She has two china cabinets, count them two, in the house I grew up in. And they're talking about, like, downsizing or whatever. And I just said, I hope you know you just throw everything in your house away. Like, every single thing that you and dad don't need, trash. Yep. No one wants it. No one needs it. Yep. She's like, well, I, I have that great Len- Lennox, Lana- Lennox, China. Lennox, yeah. Lennox, China, that I got from my wedding mm-hmm. 36 years ago. I was like, bitch, I'm good. I don't need it. And none of your other kids want it. And no. the cabinet is as big as my bedroom. Right. Yeah. Like, where would I even put it? China's a great one, Meg. Um, email sessions are also smart. Uh, cell phone sounds. Oh, like specialized rings? <laughs> like, sounds aside so from, like, the standard Apple alerts, like, first of all, keyboard clicks. Do either of you have your keyboard clicks on? No. What the hell's that? When you text. The keyboard clicks. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I never have, like, my the sound on. Yeah. So, so all cell phone sounds. <laughs> is that, like, supposed to, like, remind them of the old typewriter days? Yeah. Is that kind of – okay. That's exactly well, Getting back is. to her actual, like, top five, like, when my mom's phone rings, and if it's, like, me or my brother or my – it's, like, we are family comes on. Like <laughs> Ringtone? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I thought that's what you were talking about. No, Ring it tones. is, but it's mostly yeah, just like, – any sound associated with your the phone, aside tones. from like a uh, my someone is calling me and the phone is yeah. ringing. Stupid like specialized song ringtones that every old woman has on her phone. It's got to go. Um, one other one I thought of that I didn't write down too really, but bank bank branches. I yeah. don't. 
I mean, what? Who goes to a bank branch and they keep building them? Now, is this relevant to boomers still? Yeah. Okay. Or are we just talking about things we hate that we want to see? No, no, away? it's boomer well, because I, I think that's the only. It's got to be the only people who go right, physically, right. and then living rooms. Our house has a living room. It's built twenty years ago, not that long ago, but like now, it's irrelevant. Who uses a living room? What do you call the room you sit in? The family, the family room. room. Family room. Or the yeah. And then there's room. a separate room called the living room that's never been t- sat in or touched or. You know, so it yeah, yeah, it has like a couch. Misusage by you. I mean, our living room is the PlayStation room now. Uh-huh. You let you let your kids go in their in their own little domains to play True. their PlayStation. <laughs> Who knows what's going on up there? <laughs> <laughs> That's all we have for today. Thanks for listening. The articles we discussed on today's pod will be linked in the episode description. We'll see you next time. 